glad you're here. I just wanted to share testimony. Is that okay? Like, this is fresh, hot off the press. <laughs> so right before service, Matt comes in here, and he's like, hey, uh, some guy named David Hamilton just walked in, like, he just walked in from the neighborhood, and he just, like, threw on whatever clothes he could ha have, and he just walked in and says, uh, God, Jesus, let me just read what he said. How about that? Pastor, I am a neighbor. Jesus told me by his word that I should give this house a $1,000 check for the end of the year. So I just came over this morning, and he delivers this check and walks out. All right, thanks, David Hamilton. <laughs> it's amazing, right? <laughs> Look, I, I don't care if it's $10 check. I don't care if it's a million dollar check. It's that God can speak to a person's heart and they said yes. That's what's beautiful to me. That David Hamilton was watching whatever he was watching on, maybe he was watching my soccer team play and he's and, and, and felt an affinity for me and it's like, I, I need it. And, and so Jesus spoke to him and he said yes. He got up and dusted himself off and came over here. It's amazing, I love it. And so God bless David Hamilton. I don't even know him. Hopefully I get to meet him someday. But God bless him. And I just love that people say yes to God. <laughs> don't raise your hand. But how many have one of those stories that you've done recently? Like God just told you to do something and you just said, yes, sir. Doesn't that feel so good? And I love that his kingdom works through people. It's not established by government. It's not established from top down. It's not established through legislation. It's established by trusting every person in the kingdom that they have the ability to hear his voice and that they have a willingness to obey it. And that's beautiful to me because that means we all have a part. No one's left out. There's no more important person in the kingdom and least important person. All of us, when we just say yes, have value in the kingdom. And so I love that. So what a cool testimony, just a cool way to start the day. That's really funny, really funny. Well, happy almost 2020. I should be first to greet you. We're going to just go through a quick journey. You can open to, uh, let's go to Exodus 25. We're also going to be in Matthew chapter 8. And lastly, we'll be in Mark chapter 9. So Exodus 25, Matthew 8, Mark 20, or Mark 9. I may have said all that wrong because I was thinking while I was talking. But hey, Father, we love you and we thank you for your presence that we feel here. I thank you because I feel faith in the room. And, and God, you said without faith, it's impossible to please God. And, and the feeling of faith that I sense in this room from everyone is pleasing to you. And so we want you to know that we love you. We want what you have for us today. I pray, God, that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation that we may know you better. Amen. Amen. So in Exodus chapter 25, I'm not going to read it, but I just want to take us on a journey. Last year, at the end of the year, we did a, an Awaken Your Ask, and we just began to ask God for things. We felt like um, when, whenever the, the, the woman was at the well and, and Jesus said, if you knew who I was, you would ask me, and I would give you a drink, and you will never be thirsty again. And one day I was reading that, taught on that so many times. And one day that, that line, if you knew who I was, you would ask me, got a hold of me. And for over probably about two years, the Lord began to, to, to work on my heart. And he would say, Jared, you don't really ask me for anything. I was like, yeah, I do. He's like, no, you ask for other people. 
But you never ask for yourself. Never. Unless you're sick. <laughs> you're like, oh, Jesus, help me. Right? But you don't ask for things for yourself. He's like, is, do you think there's a problem with that? I was like, well, if you're asking me, there probably is a problem with it, right? And so I went on this thing, and I felt like God told me, it's time to awaken our ask. It's time for us to begin to ask him for the impossible things. He even says in his word, you have not because you ask not. And then when you do ask, it's selfish. So I was like, well, if I ask and it's selfish, then I should just never ask, right? Because every time I ask, it's selfish. That wasn't the lesson he was trying to say. He was trying to say, learn how to ask better. Ask for better things. Ask for wholesome things. Ask for things that will serve my purposes in your life. And when you figure out what that is and you ask me for those things, you will get everything you ask for and even more. So we went on the journey. Some of you put some things on the board. And in no time, God was beginning to do things. There's, there's a list of things we asked for. And there's a list of things. And, and some of us have forgotten. But to put what he answered. He did some things on our list. How many God did something on your list this year? Look at that. Come on. <laughs> even things we didn't even ask for. That's what I love. He, he does the things we even asked for. And then he finds things that just meets the deepest need of our heart. And says, I just wanted to do that because I wanted to. He's the best gift giver. And so it's important that as we're learning this, this journey of asking God for things and then seeing him answer us, it's important that we remember a th the thing called the testimony. Everyone say testimony. testimony. Did you know, how many have heard of the Ark of the Covenant? Right? Did you know that from Exodus 25 until Joshua 4, it wasn't called the Ark of the Covenant? It was called the Ark of the Testimony. As they were in the wilderness, when they were in the wilderness, it was called the Ark of the Testimony. The moment they entered into the promised land, it began to be called the Ark of the Covenant. And so what I learned from that is, if I'm going through a wilderness season, I need to pull the testimonies to the surface. Because the cure for every wilderness season is to remember what God has already done in the past, whether it's for me or what he did for someone else. Because remembering the testimony will pull me out of the wilderness into covenant. <laughs> so once we have the testimony, it pulls us into the promised land. Then the testimony becomes our anchor. It becomes the stone that we build upon. Because as they were in the promised land, when they would go to a place and they would have victory or God would perform some amazing miracle, he would tell them, hey, set up some memorial stones. Set up a place of remembrance, a place of testimony, a place so that when your kids come by this place in the future, they will see this and they will know what God did here. It's the testimony. It's an anchor. And the Bible tells us that Israel began to murmur and complain, and it says that their sin in Judges 2 and in Judges 8, their, their actual sin was they did not remember the testimony of God. They forgot. How many of us have ever, ever been there before? Like, we're in that place of complaining and murmuring, and we're depressed, and we're seeing all the problems, and we've forgotten all the things we can't even count how many times God has come through for us. And this is what would happen to Israel. They would fall into a place, and before they would go into outright sin and rebellion, they would first forget what God had already done for them. 
And so today I want to talk about testimony. I want us to remember the testimony. I want us to pull it to the surface. I want us to write them down and go back and rehearse them. I've got dozens and dozens of, of notes in my phone that I will search the key. I love how Mac makes it so easy. You just type in a keyword, a testimony, and it can go back, or a dream, and it can go back, or a prophetic word, and go back and read all the things that God has done. And when I'm not feeling myself... When I need to be reminded, I go back and I pull up testimonies and I remember. Especially if I need something specific and God's already done that specific thing for me before. I'm like, hey God, you remember when I needed this thing or when I was in this situation and this is how you settled it? This is how you resolved it? Do it again. And actually the word testimony, the Hebrew word means to witness. It means evidence. It means revelation. The Greek word is martyr. So when they said they were martyred, they became testimonies. And the Bible even says that their blood would speak because they were a testimony unto God. But if you break the word down, it comes from the Hebrew word. It's U-W-D. I don't have a clue how to say that. U-W-D, right? But it means to do again or to repeat. And I know you've heard this before, but it's really important that we go back and we don't forget these keys to our faith. And remembering the testimony is a key to our faith. It literally, when I tell what God has done, when I confess out loud, whether it's to myself or I tell someone else, I am inviting prophetic nature of God to come and do again what he did before. Remember, he's not bound by time, right? So what was in the ark? There was a golden jar of manna, which represented God's provision. There was an Aaron's rod that budded, which represented the everlasting priesthood and the reign of Christ. And there was also the tablets of the law, represented the everlasting, all-powerful word of God. So I'm going to ask you, what's in your ark of testimony? What have you put inside there to remember? (sighs) What painting have you hung in your home to remember what God did for you? I've done, I've done things like that. Like, I, I have this specific thing because it helps me remember what God did there. And when I see it, I always remember. Set up memorials. Set up some things around your home. These aren't idols. These are memorials remembering what God has done for you. Amen? Y'all still with me? <clears throat> These become prophetic declarations that attract God's presence to come and do what he already did before. When we remember the testimony, what we're literally doing is we're inviting Jesus into our present. Come on. We're inviting Jesus into our present. I want to read this quote. I heard this a few weeks ago, and I thought this was so awesome. I had to share it today. This is from a sermon from Charles Spurgeon. If you haven't heard of him, he was a great revivalist in the 1800s, mid-1800s. And this is his sermon called God's Mighty Acts. And he preached this on July 17th um, in 1859. Wow. How cool is that? And this is what he said. He says, when people hear about what God used to do, one of the things they say is, oh, that was a very long time ago. They imagine that times have altered since then. And so they say, Things were in a different state then from what they are now. In other words, yeah, God did that then, but things are worse now, or things are different now, or this is too hard, too difficult, the world is too dark, too evil, fill in the blank. 
And he says, granted, yeah, things have changed, he basically says. But I want to know what the things have to do with it. I'm just reading it, right? I thought it was God that did it. Things changing didn't do this thing. God did this thing. And he's like, what, what connection does those things have with God doing it? God did it, right? And he says, Is, has God changed? Is he not an immutable God, the same yesterday, today, and forever? So then he says, does that, does that not furnish an argument to prove that what God, do, what God has done at one time, he can do in another time? I think I may push it even further, he says. And what he has done once is a prophecy of what he intends to do again. That the mighty works which have been accomplished in an olden time shall be repeated. And that the Lord's song, man, goosebumps. That the Lord's song shall be sung again in Zion and that he shall again be greatly glorified. What is he saying? If God did it in olden times, it wasn't just a historical event. It was, an, it was a redeemed time that has, that's not bound by time. It wasn't just for then because the God who performed it then is still the same God. And he can do the same thing in any time period he's in. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many of you have ever thought of it that way? That if God did a testimony for me in the past, God didn't change. So no matter what everything around me looks like, he's the consistent one. He's the constant. And he is faithful. Amen? These, these testimonies, they actually belong to us. Thanks, Siri. Siri's preaching back to me. <laughs> Have you ever thought about it? No, I haven't. Stop it. <laughs> so these testimonies, did you know that your testimony belongs to you? Yeah, come on. Like it's yours. No one can steal it from you. And I don't mean how Jesus saved you only. Well, I was this person and I did that and that. I'm talking about every activity that he has had in your life is your testimony and it belongs to you. It is your history with God. It is eternal. It is beautiful. Come on. It's yours. You can pull it at any moment and any time into your current situation and say, God, this is how I know you. This is how we walk together. This is our history. And because this is our history, I know that you're going to come through in this situation. We don't have to tell him how to come through. All we have to do is invite him into the situation. It's our history. It's redeemed history. It's sanctified history. God is faithful. Come on. Everyone say God is faithful. He has a purpose, a plan for our life that he is faithful to. Remember we said this the last couple of weeks. He's faithful to his word. He's faithful to his promises. He's even faithful to the desires that he's stirring inside of us. He's faithful. Come on. A few years back, probably about 12 years ago now, 10 or 12 years ago, my friend Lance, who plays bass with us sometimes, he taught on a Sunday night that God was willing and able, and I've never forgotten it. It's one of my favorite sermons ever. I pull it into my present all the time, and this is where he got it from. In Matthew chapter 8, we're going to read verses 1 through 3. Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. <clears throat> 
When Jesus came down from the mountain, there were large crowds following him. And a leper came to him and bowed down before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And it says, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I am willing. Would you say that? I am willing. willing. Be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Come on. All right, next one. Mark chapter 9, verse 14 through 27. When they came back to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. Immediately when the entire crowd saw Jesus, they were amazed and began to run to greet him. And he asked them, what are you discussing with them? And one in the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son, possessed with a spirit which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it slams him into the ground and he foams at the mouth, he grinds his teeth and he stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out and they could not do it. And he answered them and said, oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. And Jesus just told it straight, man. How long am I going to put up with your lack of faith? Have you been seeing all this stuff going on around here? Bring him to me. So they brought the boy to Jesus. When he saw him, the spirit threw him into a convulsion. And falling to the ground, he began rolling around, foaming at the mouth. And he asked the father, Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And Jesus said, since childhood. It often throws him into the fire and into the water, trying to kill him. And then he says this, but if you are able to do anything, take pity on us. And Jesus says, if I am able, if I can, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately the boy's father cried out and says, I do believe, I believe. Help my unbelief, right? When Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you deaf and mute spirit, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. After crying out and throwing him into a terrible convulsion, he came out and the boy became so much like a a corpse that people thought he was dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, raised him, and he got up. What's the moral of the story? There are two huge obstacles that most people confront when, when we're believing for something that seems impossible or we're asking God for something that seems out of reach. It's, is he willing to do it? And if he is willing to do it, is he even able to do it? I think some of us have confronted these two questions throughout our lives, maybe in different seasons. Maybe some things we believe, oh yeah, God can do that. Like, yeah, but I don't know if he wants to do it for me. And then sometimes it's like, I know God wants to do it, but I don't know if he's able to do it. But he is willing and he's able to do it. See, every one of you need to know that God is not only capable, he wants to. And the way we remind ourselves of that is we carry our testimonies around with us and we pull them into every situation. Testimonies change our perception. Hmm. Say it with me. He is willing and he is able. So when I, when I tell you that, what, what impossible thing jumps to your mind? Is he willing and able to do that? Yes. Let your mind dream right now. 
Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly and above all we can ask or even imagine. Just dream about your family right now. Hmm, is that possible? Yes, it's possible. Does he want to do that? Absolutely he wants to do that. He's willing and he is able. So we have to get past this barrier of false humility that says, I don't know if he wants to do it for me. I'm not good enough. Or he can do it for them because they're this, this, and this, but why would he do it for me? That's not humility. Humility is letting him do it for us. Humility is actually letting him help us. Tell your neighbor, he's willing and he's able. So do you have a record of testimonies? Do you have a journal? Do you have a notebook? Do you have an app in your phone where you keep them? Because if not, today's the day you need to start that. You need to start it for your family. I love that. Um, so in my family history, my great-grandmother, my granny's mom, Marie Johnson, she wrote um, a book. It's called Memories of This and That. Right? And in that book, it's in my office, it's very thick. I don't know how many pages, 150 pages or whatever it is. It is literally the history that she and my great-grandfather had with God of the crazy, I'm talking crazy miracles that happened. Where they were stopped on the side of the road, out of gas in the middle of nowhere, and he just takes some water from a creek or wherever and pours it in, and the car runs on water. That kind of stuff where they didn't have groceries and they walk out on the porch and there's groceries that an angel had brought to their house. I'm talking crazy stuff that happened. Miracles. Story after story after story. And it's my story. It's not just their story. It's my story too because I'm in the family, right? So you keep a history of what God's done for your family. I'm going to do, we have to do this. We need to write down our salvation story for our kids to hear. Our kids need to know how we met Jesus and finally said, yes. They need to hear the story. You're like, I don't want to give all the juicy details. Don't give all the juicy details. But let them know what state you were in when he found you. Our kids need to read it. They need to know the miracles that he's performed in the family. The financial miracles, the healing miracles, the breakthrough and deliverance miracles. He need, they need to hear the stories. Amen. See, that's what they entertained themselves with when they were going from the promised land or from the wilderness into the promised land. They sat around the fire and they told the stories of what God had done, how he delivered them. It's funny, on our way to, uh, to see family over the holidays, Josiah is like the greatest storyteller in the family history ever. He's a great storyteller. He's over there telling stories right now. But he's a great storyteller, right? <laughs> Subtle, wasn't it? <laughs> Bam. <clears throat> and we're just sitting listening. He's telling all these stories. And, and we started laughing because we're like, this is so weird. When we grew up, we were telling all the stories of the stupid stuff we did. Our kids now grow up telling all the stupid stories they saw someone do on YouTube. <laughs> it's like totally different. Like, no, 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 no. You need to go out and don't do some stupid stuff, but you need to go out and you need your own stories. They need to be yours. It means more when it's your story. It means more when it's your family's story. How did you come to this country? 
How did God pull you from where you were and bring you to here? What miracles did he do for you to get you in this place? Come on and start business and go to school and do this stuff. How amazing it is that God can call people from one country to another and bless them in the new country. It's beautiful. Your kids need to know that story because now they're living in the promised land and they don't know the struggle that you had to get to the promised land. They don't know and it's easy to forget. Your kids, our kids, my kids need to know what it took for me to get where I am today. They need to know my journey. They need to know that God is faithful, that he keeps his word. He keeps his promises. Come on. I was talking with my brother-in-law over the holidays and 11 years ago, he was in, in crazy debt, not because he was foolish, but because he was going to school and he had student loans. And from then to now, God has blessed him with a business. I won't even tell you how much it's worth. I don't even know. I just know it's very valuable. In 11 years, God did that from debt negative, like almost 170 grand or something crazy debt to ridiculous wealth where he doesn't have to work again if he doesn't want to. And he didn't get an inheritance. He didn't get, he didn't get a small inheritance from his father. <laughs> he, he just worked hard and God blessed him. He was telling me that he wasn't even going to go to PT school, which is physical therapy school, except he was working at a hospital and they said, hey, we'll pay for your school. He's like, that's a good deal. He signs up, gets accepted into the school and guess what happened? The hospital says, oh, we're not going to pay for it. But he had already signed up for it. So he's like, well, let's just double down on the debt. If he wouldn't have done that, if the hospital didn't make the invitation, he started telling me all these stories that happened. I was like, that's the faithfulness of God. He started telling stories of when they, were, when they didn't have anything and how God provided for them and how, how God's providing for them now. I'm like, he's faithful in all seasons, whether I have little or I have much. He's still the same. That's why Paul said, I can do all things through Christ. I can be poor and, and shipwrecked and beaten, or I can be in the king's palace talking before kings. Like, I can do both because the faithful one goes with me in every season of life. But here's how we, how we navigate every season of life. It's the testimonies. I, I wish I could make homework assignments here and be like, you got to come back or you fail. Or you get your name on the board. Like, I'm talking me too. Like, we need to do this. Your family needs a record of what God has done. Some of our funnest times are driving in the cars and the kids are like, hey, tell us some old funny stories from the past. And I'll start telling them crazy stories that happened in church. I'm talking crazy stories. I mean, I've seen my grandpa jump like three pews. The Holy Spirit hit him. My mom's dad, his name was Bliss. He was not very happy. <laughs> They're like, they got that name wrong at birth, right? No. I saw him. Holy Spirit hit him and bam, he's like sitting where joy is. Boom. He flies over the pews in the front. And then we're telling these stories because my kids like love to hear the history. They love to hear the testimonies when miracles happen. The fire, fire trucks were called out because the church was on fire. Literally, they thought it was on fire, but it was the Holy Spirit. Like this is our history. Y'all okay? Amen. So would you stand? <clears throat> Testimonies change our vision. When we complain, we're like an orphan. When we give a testimony and we're thankful, we become sons and daughters. Hebrews 11.6, and I'll close with this scripture, says, without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God 
must what? Believe. Must believe he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Would you say that last part? We must believe he is and he is the rewarder of those who seek him. Now, I want you to take just a moment, and I want you to ask God to bring to mind some testimonies. Maybe you've already thought about them today. That's okay. Remember what God has done. Yeah, just take a moment. Yep. it means he's doing a deep thing yeah I'm going to ask for a hands of commitment how many of you would join me and commit to creating a family history with God a family testimony book I'm doing it yeah look what God's done it's so cool y'all, y'all all just became authors instantly it's beautiful. So, Father, we, I ask that you would bless this covenant we just made. I ask that you would give us grace to, to accomplish it, to do it, huh. for us to carry it out so that our kids and our children's children and on down the line can see how you've been faithful through every generation. God, I ask that as we tell our testimonies, that you feel invited to come and do it again. Hmm. How many have something right now? You have a, a need that you need God to come through. Just raise your hand. Yeah. How many have prayed for that thing to happen? All right. That's one way. So prayer. The second way is to Tell testimonies to that situation. It's to remind yourself and to let that situation know that it's temporary and that it's under the authority of an unchanging, eternal God. And so that's what I want you to do. And this is group participation, all right? I want you to tell that thing testimonies that God has done for you or someone you know. They work too. And the other thing we've learned is they don't expire like, oh, I've told that testimony 77 times. Keep telling that testimony. It doesn't expire. All right? So go ahead. Aim at that issue, that thing that you need resolved. And instead of praying, testify over it. Come on. All right, last thing we're going to do, we're going to thank him in advance. 
Come on, would you lift your hands? I'm going to give him thanks. We thank you, Father, for the miracles, for the answers to prayer, for the lost loved ones becoming saved. Come on. We thank you for the healings in people's bodies that's going to take place. We thank you for financial breakthroughs. We thank you for emotional health and healing in our families and in our relationships. We thank you, God, for, for having a church that has revival and sees hundreds and thousands of souls saved, healed, and delivered. We thank you, God, for marriages that will be restored. We thank you, God, for new relationships that you're going to birth. We thank you, God, for new kids that are going to be born even this week. God, we thank you for the amazing things you're doing in our midst and for the things that you've promised us, the things you will do going forward. And we stand in expectation, <laughs> waiting to see them manifest in our reality. God, and until then, we will continue to declare the testimony. We will manage our hearts well. We will manage our appetites and our, our affections and our hope. We will manage it well. <laughs> May we be the most hopeful people around. Come on. May, may we be the most hopeful, happy people around. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You want to close it? Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Wow, that was good. Jared is definitely speaking my language today. There is nothing more that I love to hear about or to experience than the greatness of God, the miraculous, the big, like the things that there's no other explanation than that the God of the universe came through on my behalf, on the behalf of my family. And um, I think my um, daughter Rosie has caught that bug for me too, because recently in the last few months at bedtime, she'll say, to Hank and I, um, tell us, a, tell us, a, tell me a miracle. But now she says, like, tell me four miracles. <laughs> and then I'll start to tell, like, go, you know, dig back into the Bible. And she's like, no, no, no. I want a real life miracle that you've experienced. And so <laughs> I'm, I'm having to like dig up these and remind myself of testimonies. But you know, like, I, I think. I, I recognize because I love the bigness and the greatness of God. That's just something that I'm just so fascinated by. And just my, my affection for him just is stirred whenever I, I just recognize how big he is um, and how powerful he is um, that I, I, I don't feel normal when I start to think have like a smaller um, vision or focus or um, expectation of him, I guess I should say. And so I really do try to feed myself with testimonies, whether they're my own or other people's. Um, I love the book, God's Generals. I don't know if y'all have read that, but they're short stories of just men and women of our faith who um, over the years have just have really transformed our, our Christian culture and um, really dug the wells for us to, to um, get to be a part of today. Smith Wigglesworth, Amy Simple McPherson, um, some really, really great ones. So I, I love just hearing the testimony and um, feeding myself with that. But even this morning, um, the Lord took me to um, Zechariah 4, 7, um, where he says, what are you great mountain of human obstacles? And he says, you will become like a plain or a molehill. <laughs> and so I just want to um, offer an opportunity for y'all to come up today for prayer. If there's um, a testimony uh, or something that you are hopeful for that we were just um, talking about, that you just spoke a testimony to, that you just declared um, to, we would love to pray with you and agree with you. Um, altar team, if y'all want to come up. Um, 
talk about some great men and women of faith. They're going to be right here at the altar. They would love to just agree with you with what the Lord already wants to do in your life, the thing that he's already spoke to you, pray over you. Um, if you have never given your life to Jesus, like today is a good day to make that a reality in your life, to saying yes to him, to seeing these things in your life, to engaging your heart with him every day, to experiencing that great romance that we talked about earlier. There is nothing like it in the entire world and it will be the best decision you've ever made. So um, please come up. We would love to pray with you. We're gonna be up here as we close. Um, thank you all so much. Have a wonderful week and God bless you.